Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. What if your last act was a gift to the planet. Musician, psychiatrist, and folk dancer Clark Wang advocates for a green burial and prepares for his own in an immersive documentary. And that is what we're really, this is an amazing documentary in so many levels. It's called A Will for the Woods. Uh, Clark and his partner, uh, Jane, have discovered a burgeoning movement that uses burial to conserve and restore natural areas foregoing contemporary funeral practices that preserve the body at the ecosystem's expense. And with the help of a compassionate local cemeterian uh, and a spirited pair set out to save a track of land. Uh, uh, sorry, let me start over. A compassionate local cemeterian, the spirited pair aimed to save a tract of forest from being clear-cut. Uh, we are joined by three of the four co-directors of this film, A Will for the Woods, and that would be Amy Brown, Tony Hale, and Brian Wilson. People, are you there? Hello. Yes. Hi, yes. Okay. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am so thrilled and honored to have all three of you here today. Um, this is, uh, I had heard nothing about this. I'm going to start with you, Amy. Um, I'd heard nothing about this uh, before I saw your film, and I am determined to make sure that this is the way that I, my end, my, the last act of my life is played out. Having seen your documentary and how much sense this makes. Tell me, Amy, how did you become involved in this project, uh, and, and we'll go from there. How did you start uh, the process of uh, this documentary? Sure. Well, first of all, it's, it's great to hear you say that, because that's really what we um, hope to do with the film, and I know that that's what Clark aspired to, uh, to do by sharing his story. So it's, it's really gratifying to hear you say that this is what you would like as well. Um, we found... I found out about the Green Burial Movement through my sister, who was working sort of just on um, a peripheral position doing research and development in Australia, mm. and she mentioned it to me, and from that moment, I was just completely, I was just compelled by the idea, um, inspired, very comforted when I thought about my own death or death of a loved one, that it could be, you know, in a, in a beautiful place that was more about life reminded you of the living world and nature and the comfort of the forest rather than a concrete marble cemetery. So I just, I just thought it was incredibly beautiful um, and I wanted to explore it. And I started to read about it. I could find a lot of articles online. I could find books, but I couldn't find any visual representation of this movement. What did these sites look like and sound like and whereabouts were they around the world? So I started to travel up and down the East Coast. I'm living out of New York City, and I visited uh, cemeteries in upstate New York and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And that's where when I met Jeremy at university at the New School, and together we sort of set out across the country um, interviewing people and that's when we met Joe, our secondary character, who's yeah. the head of the Green Burial Council. And then Joe introduced us to Clark. And once we met Clark, it was very obvious that um, we were going to take a turn to telling a more personal story. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony, uh, obviously, now, it, did you take a similar path to this? Uh, and, and tell me a little bit about uh, kind of the... Uh, 
the 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 sort of uh, the breakdown and how you have four different co-directors in, yeah. involved in this film. Tell me a little bit about sort of the 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 way that you were able to work all that out and how. Yeah, that sure. So Amy and Jeremy were starting to make the film and brought me on as an editor early on, just to edit a trailer. Mm-hmm. And I really fell in love with the footage. And as they kept shooting, the footage kept growing, and um, we knew we needed another editor. And that's when Brian came on mm-hmm. um, shortly after. And we just were working together so intensely and so collaboratively. And you know, film is always a collaborative process, and especially with a documentary where you're figuring out the story as you're shooting it and, and you're writing it in the editing. We, um, it was really just such a, a organic process of figuring it all out together, which I don't know, maybe is a lucky situation, but we were just happy to um, kind of by the time the premiere came and we had to do the credits, we were like, should we just all say co-director? And it was really kind of a wonderful um, collaborative yeah. thing the whole way through, so yeah, we just went with that well, shared and, authorship. And, 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 and I'm sorry to interrupt. Pardon me. Uh, and Brian Wilson, um, I you, your your story sounds similar to mine um, in one respect. Your mother passed away in in 2008. My mom passed away in 2010, and uh, and this is the first time in my life that I really felt compelled to really face these kinds of decisions. Uh, and it sounds like this is when you started to begin your journey, at least in in, in exploring this. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's right. I didn't. Um, I actually had caught the tail end of uh, an NPR story about a green burial site um, before my mom passed away. So I had heard of green burial, but it was just at the edge of my awareness. And um, she had mentioned cremation, so um, so that's what we went with with her. Um, but it was the beginning of my you know, really grappling firsthand with death. I had had, a, uh, um, I had had some grandparents who I was close to die before my mom, but this was by far the most kind of intimate experience I had had of death. I was with her throughout the last six months of her life and at the very end and um, um, had really come face-to-face with death in a way that I never had before. Yeah. So, yeah, after that I was pretty eager for some... Um, I was looking for more understanding and... Um, I was so happy when this project came into my life. Yeah, yeah, and that's ex- almost exactly the circumstances. Very much like mine. My my mom. I was with her quite a bit near the end of her life, uh, and watching this happen. Uh, you know, it, it it we she she wanted cremation. Same thing, but you know, even then, I, I it just didn't feel exactly right. And yeah. uh, and I'm you know again this is uh, for people who don't know um, the f- the do- the film is called A Will for the Woods uh, and this green burial movement uh, we'll get into this a little more um, but it's really it makes so much sense um, Amy tell me a, a little bit I just started to describe it tell me a little bit about this idea of green burial uh, and 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 some sense of of how the idea is spreading first of all. Much of the world mm-hmm. does this already. We are sort of different than a lot of the world in terms of how we uh, deal w- with the dead. But tell us a little bit about how this movement is beginning to take hold. And we'll get into mm-hmm. a little bit about Clark and Jane as well. Uh, but sure. Start- uh, green burial is uh, basically foregoes a lot of the uh, pieces that make up a conventional Western funeral, but it's really an American funeral that sort of America's influenced the rest of the world in having a large casket made out of precious woods or steel. It forgoes that and has a biodegradable 
um, casket or shroud made out of, you know, sustainably harvested resources. Usually there's wicker, bamboo, um, wool, different things like that. And instead of a, a mark, instead of a tombstone, there's a flat field stone to mark the grave. And there's no vault. There's no embalming. And the thing that's really special about it is these cemeteries are in natural areas. So when you visit the cemetery, you're visiting a forest or a meadow or a desert or a, um, all different types of ecosystems. And by it being a burial ground, it is conserved. And a lot of these cemeteries are placing deed restrictions on the land. So conservation, restoration uh, are really the core missions of these places. And they're trying to save adjacent land as well. So some of these sites are adjacent to state parks, or um, are using it to, you know, restore natural areas along the riverbeds and things like that. So there's a real conservation element. Um, it's in the five years that we've made the film, there, it's grown a lot. It was about, I think, 40, 40 sites or something when we started, it seemed. And then now there's over 100. Um, there's now... There's 40 sites that are certified by the Green Burial Cemetery, Green Burial Council, but there's over 100 in the U.S. Yeah. and uh, there's about 300 in the U.K. Um, and about four or five in Australia. So it's just at that burgeoning stage where you know people are beginning to learn about it, and I think with the baby boomers um, aging now and have always been a revolutionary generation, uh, that this idea will really begin to become a mainstream choice. Yeah, I, I saw in the film, uh, and I don't remember the, the, the gentleman, but the couple who were sitting out in their front yard, and he said, we're driving by these places, and I was in Iowa, and we're seeing all the ecological, the eco-diversity, uh, and it, mm. was, it was funerals, or funeral plots, or funeral uh, facilities, if you will, and thought, why... You know, they're they're the sort of a sanction for biodiversity. Was that Iowa? Have I got am, am I facts totally oh, off here? Oh, in in South Carolina, so where he yeah, said, but, um, yeah, and he's saying in Iowa is where he he saw them. Oh yes, that was yeah, it. He's yeah. in South Carolina. That was Billy Campbell, who's the founder of the first conservation burial ground in uh, North America, and he was talking about how in the Midwest there are all of these um, intact meadows, and and what what. What enabled them to be there is the fact that they're growing on old cemeteries right. that weren't disturbed. Right. So, so, so that sort of that outside the kind of conventional thinking is was sort of spurred a little bit of this to happen. Is that is he part of that? It sounds yeah, like he was very he much a part of that, it. You know, if if that could happen by accident, what? then why couldn't we do it by design? Right. Why couldn't we, you know, make these places sanctuaries by, you know intending them to be that way by making them nature preserves. Amazing. And then if you dig a little deeper, you realize that the funeral industry is um, upwards of a $20 billion industry in the U.S. alone. And That's... so if you can put just a fraction of that towards conservation and restoration, it would have a tremendous ecological impact. Absolutely. Amy, I like what you're saying about, uh, I agree with what you're saying about the uh, the boomers. I'm I'm a mm. boomer, uh, and I'm not going to go out this way. I'm just it's not going. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to go uh, quietly. And I mean, uh, you see the health. Just it's sort of an adjunct to what you're discussing here. Uh, you know, the warehousing of people. 
you know, before they before they pass is is unacceptable, and it's just not it's not going to happen. I, I I think you're right. I think there will be a a sea change in the way that we see the later stages of people's lives and 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 them passing. I I think that you're this is part of a a, a much bigger movement to not see that happen. Mm. You know, uh, and um, uh, uh, Tony, uh, talk talk a little bit about uh, Clark Wang, who is the focus. Much of the focus of the film is about him and his struggles with cancer, and his incredible wife. This is wonderful. Just I don't know if you could have picked a better story yeah. uh, to tell uh, regarding uh, this. Uh, talk talk a little bit about them and and how you came to know them. Yeah, well, it was just so lucky that it worked out the way it did that we got to meet them and. Um, as you know, as soon as we did, we knew that the, the film would be taking a personal turn, like Amy said. And um, so Clark is this amazingly charismatic, smart, uh, just multi-talented guy. He's a, a folk dancer, a cellist, a psychiatrist, tons of hobbies. There were so many hobbies, we couldn't even fit them all in the movie. He's actually an avid Lego collector as well. <laughs> that didn't even make it in because there's too many hobbies. But um, he's uh, battling lymphoma and... And through that, he gets involved um, in environmentalism in general. He's concerned that environmental degradation may have been to blame for the rising cancer rates. And when he starts planning for what may happen at the funeral, um, he discovers uh, the Green Burial Movement. And his, his partner, Jane, is there with him every step of the way. And, and they're just a wonderful couple. Jane is a very typical New Yorker who found herself in... Um, North Carolina, very outspoken and, and just wonderful personality. And then, um, yeah, it's just really the film follows their journey, a little bit about their relationship and kind of all the things that are going on in their life uh, centered around how much meaning they're finding. Right. Well, uh, Brian, um, gaining this confidence of Clark and Jane, was that uh, difficult or uh, they seem so accessible in the film. Uh, what was that like uh, in terms of gaining their confidence? Well, Amy might be able to speak to them oh. more easily because she and Jeremy uh, were, were mm. had the relationship with them. I, not to bounce it to Amy, but Amy, would you like to answer yeah. that about mm. gaining the confidence of Clark and Jane? Yeah, um, we. It was really great that he was so passionate about sharing his story, and he sort of found us through Joe. He was doing a lot of radio interviews and speaking at hospices and palliative care uh, centers. And he wanted to to speak to other people about it, and he hoped that in some way his death, if it happened, could help to advance the movement. So he really led us into his life very from the from day one. Um, he knew he just opened up, um, and from day one we were going to radiation and the home funeral study group. The next day we went to, to visit his green burial plot, you know, very personal things, but he, I think he knew he was sort of telling his own story in a way. And, um, he knew that for the film to be compelling, that it would, you know, take, uh, sort of take, took a directorial decisions in a way. Um, but, uh, it was sort of on the, the first week that we were there, um, where we were sitting down and we're all just watching poker videos and, and he, sort of opened up and he said to us, you know, I, I know that we're here filming these sort of um, moments in my life, but I, I want you to come back and I want you to to film my, my entire journey and be with me and Jane through this journey and I want to share this story. And 
I'm still fighting to survive, but if I do pass away, that I want you to be there at the hospital or at home if I die at home, and I want you to film my home funeral, and I want you to be there for my green burial. So he made us feel very comfortable from the very beginning that, that we weren't intruding or that we weren't, um, you know, uh, being too personal. Uh, he was just very, very trusting of us. And I think it helped that, you know, he definitely, when we first met him, Gundas gave us the Clark test, what a lot of his friends call the Clark test, where he, you know, asked us everything that we knew about Green Burial and he asked us what our um, education was and what we were planning on doing with the film and everything. So after we'd passed that test, he was very comfortable with just letting us in and uh, it was the most generous um, and trusting relationship that he could have had with us. So that was very special. Um, and now that the film is coming out and we're getting to show people, it's really um, honouring, honourable for us. It just is an honour to, to be able to feel like we're fulfilling his wish in some way. Um, every time the film gets seen, uh, he feels like he's there, um, you know, well, pleased about it. I'm going to I'm going to throw I'm going to throw this question out to the group but I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Amy Brown, Tony Hale and Brian Wilson. They're three of the four co-directors of the film A Will for the Woods. Uh, Brian, I'll ask you if you know uh, the film is rolling out here here we are at August 8th, uh, 2014. Tell us where people either can see it in a theater and or online. How how would people get to see A Will for the Woods? Right. Over the next few months, we're, we'll be, we're doing a theatrical run. We're uh, opening in New York for a week-long run of the Village East Cinema uh, a week from today. On the 15th. And, and it'll be, we'll be, we'll be doing a lot of uh, weekend longs and one-offs around the country over the next few months, and also community screenings. We've been selling community screening licenses, and people are, are sponsoring their own screenings, so that's an option for people as well. Visiting our website is the, is the thing to do, a willforthewoods.com screenings. Right. Um, and that's the best way to find out how to see it in the next few months. And then in, at the end of the year, in December, we'll be releasing it online and on DVD. So it'll be fully available in December. In my opinion, having seen a few films uh, in my life here, this feels like the perfect movie for the kind of neighborhood household gathering, you know, around getting your neighbors to come in and watch. This feels, it feels like... The kind of mo- uh, kind of movie that you'll want to tell somebody about, and uh, and again, I, I go back to this boomer idea, which I, I really do believe uh, th- this is going to catch on. I, I I just wonder if the, the resources in terms of uh, area are going to be available once people realize, you know, that this is the, this mm. is the, mo- the more sane and reasonable way to do this. Um, that uh, you said there are a number of sites now or hundreds or so sites here in the United States. Does California have, I saw a Sergeant Ranch was one that you, you showed in the film, uh, you know, a quick shot of. Are there more in California now? Or uh, Well, one of the best ways to find sites is to go to the Green Burial Council website. Okay. You can search by state for okay. um, both cemeteries and, and providers, uh, that would be providers of okay. caskets and shrouds and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, there are some sites and some providers who are not um, certified by the GBC, um, and so it might take a little more digging to find them, but a great place to start would be to go to the Green Burial Council website, and that's greenburialcouncil.org. Okay. Is that right, guys? 
Yeah. But there and, are, to the short uh, answer, there are definitely sites in California as well. Right, yeah. yeah offhand, yeah. I'm, I'm not. Well, I saw... Uh, there's, yeah. one in, there's one in Los Angeles called Hillside Memorial Park, and there's a site in Joshua Tree. These are both hybrid cemeteries, which are conventional cemeteries with green burial sites attached, okay. like Pine Forest in the film. Yeah. Um, and then Sergeant Ranch was actually a prospective site, so ah, okay. we're hoping that that gets turned into a large, um, it's a 6,000-acre uh, area that they're hoping to be able to conserve with having a, a small green burial site on that, on that land. Okay. Um, but there's... Uh, I know in the in the works a plan for a, lo- uh, a rollout of five green burial cemeteries in California. So um, yeah. that's that's in the works at the moment because you'd think there'd be a lot in California. Yeah, just... well, I think it's a matter of not the the it's just not out there. I, I just don't. It's I think a matter that... of demand, like people asking yeah. for it and yeah. telling their funeral director, telling the cemetery and just the funeral industry needs to know that this is an option that people want because their right. first defense is that, well, nobody asks for it. Right. So that's why I'm not providing it. And it's like, right. well, people don't know to ask for it because they don't know that it's an option. So right. um, the more people, yeah, just spread the word and, and talk about it and tell the funeral industry about it. But also, you know, people are starting their own sites too. So, um Okay, that, and it's, it's a big commitment, but that's an option too. <laughs> two, two things. Mm. Two things before. And I think one of the big hindrances too is that people don't like to talk about death. I mean, culturally, we're something of a deathphobic society, and so part of the mission that we're trying to do with the film too is just bring open the dialogue up and show how much. I think with green burial, trying to show how much this is part of life, and yeah, yeah it's just part of the cycle of life, and that shouldn't be something we're afraid to discuss. And I'm I'm so glad you said that, uh, Tony, because um, that that's one of the great strengths of a, a Will for the Woods is that um, people are conf- throughout this film, the opening scene. You know, uh, we see Clark getting into what will be his casket, st- getting into the the uh, the wooden box that he will be buried in. Mm-hmm. And so, what I really and that's the thing, I the, the kind of a uh, the the way that we're we're talking about green burial in the film, but really it's about a lot of this film is about confronting your own death and the people and and I think that is an important lesson for all of us. We we in we here in the United States particularly seem to uh, foster the idea that we're going to live forever, and mm-hmm. and you know some a mythology about it. And I think I mean it's just a natural impulse to want to be around for as long as you possibly can. I understand that, right. but we tend to hide this, and 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 the funeral uh, industry does a fantastic job of making sure that we're never really impacted by the reality of death as much as they possibly can. And so mm-hmm. this is, I think that's a, an important part of what a will for the woods is is about. Myself and watching it, so right, and and yeah, the movement too. It's. Um Allowing people, as Joe see, he one of my favorite lines that he says is that um, it's allowing people to befriend death in a way that hasn't been possible for some time. You know, it's it's a different way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, this I'm going to suspect be a jump ball here a little bit. Um, what uh, what if any has there been industry pushback? You, you mentioned it's a twenty billion dollar industry. What sort of Resistance or or embracing, we'll give them the de- benefit of the doubt, has been is going on uh, within the uh, the funeral industry. Mm. Well, we we 
showed the film at the International Cemetery Cremation and Funeral Association Convention in Las Vegas a few months ago, which was um, huge that we were even invited to show the film there. Um, they are one of the more progressive funeral sort of associations in the U.S., but um, it seemed like we were sort of... It wasn't a pushback. It was sort of met with a little bit of indifference mm. and a little bit of... Uh, resentment in a way particularly from older generations who were just like oh yeah uh bury my loved one in the backyard great idea kind of thing yeah but the ones that really stopped to think about it and when you said to them you know look i'm look at me like i'm in i'm in my 20s and you know i'm talking to my friends in their 20s and 30s and 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 we're interested in death because of this idea and look at the baby boomer generation. When you sort of explain it to them in those terms, that there's going to be this shift. Yeah. Then um, they get it. And yeah, but it's yeah, you know. I mean, if just, you, I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Just if you just want to look at it, in just you know, bare naked economic terms. I, I again, I come back to this idea. Where I, I'm not going out the same way that my mom went out in a steel box. I'm, that's just not going to yeah. happen. And so if you want to get on board, if you want my money, you better figure out a way to accommodate my, my desires. Right, because people are in this movement are also just circumventing the industry altogether. Right. And they're doing home funerals right. and taking their loved one to the cemetery themselves so that you can just do it without them altogether. And I'm sure they don't want that. And it, it does help to have a professional involved. We were there for Clark's home funeral, and it was nice and comforting to know that there were people there that knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they just need to make this available. Like, what's the harm in that? Um, and and there are a lot that do get it. There are a lot of great funeral directors that we've met along the way that just want to help be there for their loved ones and the family at the at this time and do whatever is necessary. So. Well, well, Amy, let's point out Diane um, and what's right, her, yeah, yeah, who did who really did, did the right thing and really really helped facilitate all this. I think she deserves a you know a, a, a lot of kudos for her for her um, reaction to Clark and and Jane and their desire for this. So, just a terrific. Terrific thing. And exactly. Her her arc in the in the film is what a lot of people find the most compelling because at the beginning she's sort of uh, she's doing this for Clark and because she cared so much for Clark and not knowing him but she just from meeting him the one time just wanted to give him what he wanted. Yeah. And by the end of the film she's doing it for her. She's like, you know, in the in the Green Burial Cemetery, um, lining another grave and and she's she's it's become one of the most meaningful things about her job so that's really nice to see well i i just i hate to do this we're out of time we really literally are running out of time i am um, so grateful to to you um for your work in putting this film a will for the woods uh you know in front of me uh, and um, grateful as a as a sh- host of a show, and also as a person that uh, this is something that uh, I'm I'm looking forward to finding out more about, uh, and hope for all the success uh, for a will for the woods. Again, the the uh, the website, uh, Brian. What's the w- website again? A will for the woods dot com, and and also we do have the Green Burial Council dot org. And that's a nonprofit. And I know you did some Kickstarter, and people are—is that still in play? Kickstarter for for helping get the film distributed, or how how is that? 
Oh, that, that was a little while ago, but that's what's getting us through this um, distribution right now. Okay. But um, you know, if anyone's if anyone's keen to uh, to donate, that is still an option. But um, but just going out to see the movie, telling your friends, yeah. give me an eye out for it when it comes online and for DVD. Those are the, the best ways. To yeah, and film. we'd encourage people to to host a screening if they're interested. All the information's on the screenings page of our website. Terrific, and an opening next Friday in New York at the was it Village. Say it again. Village East. Village East. Village East Cinema on Second Avenue at Twelfth Street. Fantastic. Be, uh, six screenings a day, I believe. It's going to be, anyway, throughout the day. Fantastic. Well, I'm, Seven I'm, days. I'm thrilled and honored to have all of you here again. Amy Thanks Brown. So much. Amy Brown, Tony Hale, Brian Wilson, co-directors of the film uh, 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 Will for the Woods. Thank you so much for being on film. Thank, Thank you, you Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.